Well, good morning. Thank you, praise team, for good singing this morning. So glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, closing on a house tomorrow, and we get a move on Tuesday, and so we're excited about, uh, I don't know what y'all called, Burlingtonites or Boone County Knights or whatever you're called. I'm going to be one of you this week. And uh, so we're excited about that, uh, excited about this series. We're in the second week of a series called Building Blocks for BBC, and uh, Jesus is our foundation, uh, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, and so we're hoping to build the church upon Jesus Christ. Uh, he gives us the first three building blocks, uh, the great commandment, love God, love others, and then the great commission is to make disciples, and so uh, that's pretty simple, it's the, kind of the threefold mission of the church, love God, love others, make disciples. Uh, we'll have the quiz next week, so hopefully you got that. But listen, it, as the church, hopefully everything we do in some way helps us to love God, to love others, and to, to make disciples. And so I'm a, in Matthew 22 again this week, and we're going to read what we started looking at last week, Matthew 22, uh, 34 through 40. If you find your place, I invite you to stand with me this morning. Matthew 22. Hope you brought your Bibles with you, or your phones, or pads, or whatever you got your Bible on. Verse 34, but the, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And Father, we pray this morning your spirit would teach us, uh, teach us about important things, about loving you and about loving our neighbors. Uh, Holy Spirit, I, I pray you would help us to, to know how this applies in our lives. And, and Holy Spirit, help us to, to live out uh, your commands. Help us to be doers and not hearers only. And uh, we'll praise you for that, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we're going to talk about these two commands this morning, and I, I mentioned, uh, you know, I'm thankful for grace. The more I've studied this week, the more I realize how much I need God's grace. I realize this, if God only gave us two commands to get to heaven, love God and love our neighbors, I'd still bust hell wide open, because I, I can't keep them. Uh, you say, well, preacher, you don't, you don't love God or love, yes, I, I love God, uh, but sometimes I pursue other things more than God. I love my neighbors, but I don't know if I love my neighbors as I love myself. And so that's what the commands are. And so I, I need God's grace to help me. And so two primary truths that we'll look at this morning. Uh, we looked at the first one last time, but that's to love God. And uh, we'll look at the other one. This lawyer, this Pharisee, this scribe comes to Jesus. And they're always, again, trying to catch Jesus in some type of trap. They come and, and he basically says, what's the great commandment? Uh, of all of the, the word... Uh, Old Testament scriptures, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus gives them an answer. He quotes uh, Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. You, you should love God with everything. And so the first commandment is to love God. And uh, that's the foremost thing that we can do. Uh, in, in the entire word of God, if you want to know what's most important, it's to love God. 
And if you missed last week, I invite you to go to our website and you can listen to the podcast. But just a reminder that for you and I, the most important thing that you and I can do is to love God with everything within us, with all your heart and soul and mind. And, uh, and so as a church, we should pray for that end and strive to that end, that we'd love God. And, and, and if we want to be doers of the word, we have to ask ourselves, you know, did I slow down any this week to, to love God? Did I take some time this week to just think about God? Do I want God to be an integral part of my life? And if the answer to that is yes, then we have to intentionally take some time in our lives to, to think upon God and to, to grow in our love for Him. John Piper summed up the problem with this statement. He says, The weakness of our hunger for God is not that He is unsavory, but because we keep ourselves stuffed with other things. And I thought, that's so true. God is... He is not unsavory at all. He's, he's awesome. But we stuff ourselves. And the enemy wants us to stuff ourselves with so many other things. And so we have to be intentional about growing in our love for God. So, love God with everything. And as expected, Jesus doesn't stop there. He, he's got more to say, and he normally does in the Word. And, and so he goes on in verse 39. The second is like it. So the lawyer asks for one command that's the greatest Jesus gives him the one and he says the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commands depend all the law and the prophets and so the second truth and our primary focus this morning is loving others loving others and I, I said every time I study this second command it's it becomes it seems to me even more staggering if Jesus meant what he said and and we know that he that he did then something powerful earth-shaking even, something supernatural has to take place uh, in our lives. Something far beyond, I want to say, what this self-seeking man can do on his own. Uh, I think about my life and, and my possessions and my desires, and I realize that I don't love my neighbors as I love myself. And sometimes it's not even close. And so I want you to think about that this morning. I want us to think about it. Let me ask the first question, well, who's our neighbor and uh, yeah, we want to say, well, that's just the people beside us, and that's not the case, is it? David Garland said, uh, one can never ask who's my neighbor, because the question implies that there is such a thing as a non-neighbor. Whoever needs us is our neighbor. We, we've seen that from Jesus' teachings about the Good Samaritan. And so let's look at this command, and uh, Jesus, I want to point out, he doesn't tell us to love ourselves. Uh, he assumes that. And so I want you to think about how we love ourselves for just a moment. Uh, we have this uh, powerful instinct of self-preservation and self-fulfillment. Uh, we want to be happy. We want to live life with satisfaction. Uh, we want food when we're hungry. We want nice clothes to wear. We want a nice place to live, a safe place to live. We prefer a nice house. We, we want protection against violence. We want pleasant activities to fill our lives. We want our friends to like us and spend time with us. We, we even want our life to, to matter when it's all over. And so those are some descriptions of what self-love is. Self-love is a deep longing in our lives to diminish pain and to increase happiness. Y'all with me? We want, that's what we want. We want to diminish pain and we want to increase happiness. And Jesus says, uh, I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And so those desires for happiness and, and protection and food, and they're, they're not wrong in themselves. Jesus assumes that we'll have those kind of desires. Uh, I mean, he knew those desires were common amongst people. He, he doesn't say there's anything wrong with them. Uh, we don't have to learn how to have those desires. Uh, I mentioned Whitney Houston's song, Greatest Love of All. Uh, she said learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. Well, I personally, I haven't met many people who don't love themselves. Uh, even those who would attempt suicide. They, they're really acting out of a principle of self-love and saying that I want to escape what I consider to be intolerable. And, uh, and so that's one of the most selfish things a, a person can do because of the effects that it has on the people that are left behind. So let me just clarify this. Uh, self-love in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's, it's often a good thing for you to desire food when you're hungry. That's, that's a good thing. And, and uh, we, we like air conditioning when it's hot. I mean, I think most of us yesterday enjoyed the air conditioner. And when it's cold, we like to have heat. And uh, we want to be safe. We want to be liked by others. And we, we want our lives to, to count for something. None of, none of those desires are evil. And so Jesus is not condemning our self-love, but he is calling us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Love your neighbor, and you might underline that little word there in the middle, as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? Well, I'm just thinking it means that when I'm hungry uh, for food, uh, I go get food, don't I? Well, if I love my neighbor as myself, when they're hungry for food, I want them to have food. I, I want to wear nice clothes, and so I, I want my neighbors to have nice clothes. I, I want to have friends, and so I'm to be a friend. As a church, we want people. We want to be welcome when we come, and so we, we welcome people. It, as I desire others to do for me, so I do for others. And so, in other words, I, our self-seeking becomes the measure of our self-giving. What we want for ourselves becomes the measure of what we want to provide for others. And so how do you pursue your own well-being? I know when I'm hungry, I, I pursue my, that desire quickly. How do you pursue your own well-being? Well, pursue that for others. Now, this can be threatening and overwhelming and, and convicting. Uh, the question we ask is, is Jesus serious? Now, the rich young ruler, he probably went away thinking, is he serious for me to sell everything? Well, listen, Jesus is serious about this. And I think that we fear that if we follow Jesus, then we'll have to devote ourselves to the pursuit of the happiness of others. And if we give too much attention to the pursuit of the happiness of others, it's going to take away from our own pursuit of our own happiness. And so we, we feel threatened by that. And I think that Jesus wants us to, have a, to be a little bit shaken by this command. And it, it should shake us a little bit. At least until we realize that the first commandment, to love God, makes the second commandment, to love others, it makes it doable. I want to show you that. The first commandment is to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. The second commandment is the visible expression of the first commandment. Consider 1 John 4.20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, John says he's a liar. For, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? 
Uh, so really John's saying, you, you can't say you love God if you, if you don't love others that you have seen. Uh, which means that before you make uh, your own self-seeking the measure of your self-giving, make God the focus of your self-seeking. Which is really what the first commandment is. It's to seek God first and foremost. To want God more than anything else. To focus upon God. And so I, I try to explain this. If you want to see more of God's amazing grace powerfully demonstrated in your life, then show forth that grace to others. Uh, I use Caitlin as illustration. We have any waitresses or waiters in here? No. So sometimes when we go out and eat, I, we get bad service. We've all experienced that. And when we get bad service, I, I tip good. And uh, not because I like bad service, uh, but because it's the gracious thing to do. When we show forth grace to others, we're really pointing people to God and the gospel because we don't deserve grace. God has given us grace. And so we don't tip based on what they deserve. We tip because God showed grace to us. And you know, just think about, you, if you go out and eat today, you don't know what your waiter's going through and what's going on at home and what the kids are doing and the finance. You don't know those things. But what you can do is show forth grace, and God can use you to be a conduit of His grace. The same way with, if you want to experience the comfort of God in the times of sorrow, then, then you show comfort to those who are going through difficult times. If you want to know God's provision in difficult times, then you be... Uh, someone who helps someone else when they're going through difficult times and needs some help with provisions. And by doing that, our neighbor love does not threaten our self-love because our self-love becomes God love. And listen, God's love is not uh, threatened or diminished. Uh, it's highlighted when we love others. It's magnified when we love others. There's lots of examples in scriptures. I think of Jesus is the best example in regards to the first commandment to love God. I mean, he loved the Father. He regularly says, I love the Father. I do only what the Father tells me to do. So Jesus loved the Father. And then, Matthew 20, 28, he, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. So here we have Jesus loving God and then giving himself to love his neighbors, to love us by giving his life. That's the first and second commandment. And Jesus said things like it's more blessed to give than to receive. And as his followers, we will find that to be true if we just try it. Now, I don't want to act like that answers all of our questions about love or what it takes to, to, to have the kind of love for our neighbors that doesn't threaten our own self-love. Uh, th this is really a, a complex commandment. It's, it, they're... they're times we'll have to make choices about what we need to give up and uh, what we need to let go of to minister to others. And we all have a limited amount of time and we have to decide, well, how much can I give to someone else? And, and sometimes we don't even know what the most loving thing is for our neighbor. We want to help or we want to support, but we don't. And so it, it can be complex. But, but here's what I want to learn in life is that when the sacrifice is great, his grace is always sufficient. When the sacrifice for my neighbor is great, his grace is always sufficient. His provision is always sufficient. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 8 says that he's able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things there'll be sufficiency for, for every good thing. He has enough grace 
that if we want to be a vessel of His grace, then we give and give, and He keeps on giving. He's able to make all grace abound towards you. And so I said that the second commandment is, is doable because of the first commandment. Well, really the way to, uh, to fulfill the first commandment is bound up in fulfilling the, the second. We really show our love for God by the way we love others. Matthew 25, if you've got your Bible still open, you can turn over a couple pages to the right. This is uh, Jesus talking about the final judgment. And uh, he's talking about when, they come, when the Son of Man comes and he separates the sheep and the goats. But listen to what he says, verse 34. The king will say to those on the right, that's, that's the believers, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous is going to say, uh, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? We, we don't remember doing that, Lord. And the king will answer, truly I say to you, as you did it to the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. In other words, the way that we show that we love God is the way we love others. And Jesus uh, tells us that and shows us that and, and lives that out even. And so Jesus mentioned the hungry and the sick and the naked and the imprisoned. And he says that really, you, you, it's easy to say, I love God. But Jesus says the way you demonstrate that is, is the way you love others in the daily grind of life. And so, the greatest commandment is to love God, and, and Jesus doesn't stop there. Verse 39, the second is like it. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And then notice verse 40. This is another stunning verse. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Uh, so here's the Pharisees, and they knew all about the law and the prophets. And Jesus says, on these two commands, hangs it all. And, and that probably just really made them go home scratching their heads. I think he wants us to, to pause and, and ponder that a little bit. And, and you can't really get all this in one sermon. But on these two commands, loving God, loving others, hangs all of the law and prophets. And so not only are this the first and the greatest commandment, but they're the commandment on which all of the scriptures hang. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's try to see if God's Word tells us. A couple of verses that, that are real similar are Matthew 7, 12, and we'll look at that one, and Romans 13. Matthew 7, 12, and Romans 13. Matthew 7, 12 is what we call the golden rule. Right before, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and, and Jesus has just said in verse 7, Ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks it will be opened. Uh, of which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Well, a father, a good father wouldn't do that, would they? If he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? A good father wouldn't give a serpent instead of a fish. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to you, to those who ask him? And so that's the context, that we have a good father, and we can be in relationship, we can ask Him for those things, He gives us good things. Verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do for you, do also for them, 
For this is the law and the prophets. This is the law and the prophets. That's very similar to what Jesus says in uh, chapter 22. And so I, I think the context is important. The Father loves us. We're in relationship with Him. Uh, and because of that, we're able to, to love and others as we want them to love us. And so uh, that's the key in loving our neighbors is, is uh, first being in right relationship with the Father. Uh, loving others is the outward manifestation. It, it's, the, it's the evidence. It's the fulfillment of, of the Scriptures. And so there is a sense in which loving God and loving our neighbors is really the go of the Bible for us. Love God and love others. Now Romans 13, I'll just uh, read a couple of verses here. Romans 13 is, is uh, very similar. Romans 13, 10, uh, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. You know, the law is most of this Bible. Uh, this Old Testament, this is all considered law. And Paul would come along and Paul knew the law. But he said, love each other. And he fulfilled the law. Isn't that a remarkable statement? Love each other. And you fulfill verse 10 says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. I, I think that's saying the same thing as Matthew 7 12. And so I, I believe that I could say that for all of creation and all of redemption and really all of history, hang on those two great purposes that humans are to love God, who is our creator, and we are to love each other. It's so important. Now, we could spend a lot of time trying to flesh that out. I, I want us to spend a few minutes talking about how we love our neighbors as ourselves. I'm going to give you five, and, and you could have five more. You, there are lots of other ways to love your neighbors. I'm going to give you five. One way that we love our neighbors is to serve them. We love them by serving them. Jesus is the example. Again, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And so if Jesus would step out of heaven and come and, and be a servant, then if we are his followers, we're to serve others. Philippians 2 says that he, he uh, kind of derobed himself. He made himself nothing. He took on the form of a servant. And so he has given us an example of how we are to serve one another. John 13, we see Jesus with a towel and a basin of water, and he's washing the feet of his disciples. We're to serve others. And, and listen, let's be honest. Serving is not always easy, is it? And uh, we need lots of practice. I said serving is a lot like prayer. We, we all need practice on both of those. Uh, but serving is love in action. Serving is putting our love into action. Martin Luther King once said, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. That's a kingdom principle. You want to be great in the kingdom, then you be the servant of all. Uh, and so I say to the church, let us, let us serve one another. And, and let's serve our community. And that's saying the same thing as let's love our community. Let's, let's roll up our hands and serve our community. And as we serve them, we love them. Now, the Scripture gives us lots of practical instructions on loving uh, our neighbors. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were in Ephesians 4. And I, I want us to turn back there if if you have your Bible, uh, one of the a second way to love our neighbors is to love them by speaking the truth to them. 
That's hard sometimes. But we love them by speaking the truth to them. Notice Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let us let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, remembers one of another. Put off falsehood and speak the truth to your neighbors. Listen, what comes out of our mouths, y'all listening? What comes out of our mouths has a lot to do with how we love others. Ephesians 4.15 says we're to be speaking the truth in love. Notice verse 29. Let no corrupting talk. I got that underlined in my Bible. I needed it for some reason one day. I need it again today, I think. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And so we love not by speaking corrupt and unwholesome words, but by speaking words that will build up and edify. So I asked, what, what if someone did a word audit of the words that came out of your mouth this past week? Ooh. How does your speech compare to verse 29? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Only what's useful for building up. And I mentioned some people think, well, just words. Well, here's what Jesus said about our words. Matthew 12, 36. Again, I, I just point this out. This is not what the preacher says. This is, Jesus is speaking here. Matthew 12, 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. And so our words really do matter, don't they? For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. And so Paul says we're not to allow unwholesome words to come out of our mouths, but we're to replace the unwholesome words with words that build up, that edify, that encourage. Some people are, are so negative. Anybody like being around negative people? I call them Debbie Downers, party poopers. Just always grumbling. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, I challenge you to show me that in scriptures where you're supposed to have that kind of attitude. You won't find it. It's not, it's not in it. Matter of fact, Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or complaining. You want to look like Jesus? Then get that out of your vocabulary. Amen? Anybody want to amen that? Anybody? I mean, maybe you struggle with that. Listen, repent and ask God to help you. Have this attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He didn't have that kind of attitude, and so the Spirit will help you not to have it. The words that I speak towards others, if I'm truly loving them, will be for their good. Now, it might be a hard truth, but we can speak them for their good, and we can minister His grace, and we can show His love. That's the power of the tongue. It's a Read the Proverbs. It's powerful. We've got a powerful piece of equipment in your mouth. Use it for good. Now listen, you don't know what people are going through. I mean, we prayed for people this week going through suicide. Uh, maybe, maybe God wants to use you to encourage them and to bring comfort to them, to show His love to them. Be, be used by God for that. A third way to love our neighbors is by being kind to them. Tenderhearted, verse 32. Notice, I'm in Ephesians 4 still. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Our culture doesn't 
encourage that, does it? No, our culture encourages us to give them a little bit back of what they gave you. Fight fire with fire. Go get them. If they mess with you, go get them. But that's not what the scripture says. It says to be kind, to be tenderhearted. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is kind. It is not easily angered. And so in that sense, we can again be conduits of God's grace to others. I, I want to be a conduit of God's grace. I love God's grace. I, I want God to pour out His grace through me. And I do that by the way that I, I'm kind. You do that by the way you are kind and tenderhearted to others. The fourth way is to love by being willing to forgive them. Listen, if I'm not forgiving of others, I, if I continually hold on to grudges, then I know very little of God's forgiving grace in my life. And that goes for, listen, I, I know in a crowd this size, there are people sitting here this morning, you struggle with for forgiveness. And here, we're reminded that God has forgiven us in Christ. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Well, everybody's been wronged. But love covers over those, doesn't it? Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. If you're saved, you've been forgiven. We like that, don't we? We're thankful for that forgiveness. I, I'm glad God doesn't keep a record of my wrongs. He, he forgives them as far as the east is from the west. He's forgiven me. And so as his child, as his follower, then I'm to forgive others. That's how one of the ways that we love our neighbors. Listen, let me ask you, is there people right now that you've not forgiven in your heart? Are you willing to forgive them? And I know some of you are going to continue to just kind of justify. You, 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 there's a reason why you won't forgive them. It's just not a good one. If you've been forgiven, then you love your neighbor by forgiving them. And then finally, the greatest way to love your neighbor is to share the gospel with them. The greatest way to love your neighbor is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And let me just say, if you're withholding Jesus from them, that's the most unloving thing you could do. And listen, there are people who have all kinds of needs. There are financial needs, and there's physical needs, and there's people who need assistance. And, but the greatest need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The greatest need that any of your neighbors has is, is to have their sins forgiven and to have a life-changing relationship with Christ. And so no bones about it. As a church, we, we, shouldn't have any, we should just be honest about this. Every ministry that we have that, that serves and gives and all those ministries, the purpose is to open a door for the, for the gospel, to love people and be able to tell them about Jesus, to be able to tell them about the forgiveness of their sins and, and eternal life and the means of salvation. And so listen, church, we, we, we should strive for excellency in every ministry. Jesus is worthy of the very best that we have. But I want you to think about just the difference those two commands can make in our lives, in the life of this church, people walk through those doors and they see people loving Jesus. Wouldn't that be cool? People walk out those doors and say, man, there's a bunch of people in there. And they love Jesus. They're crazy about Jesus. They're singing about Jesus. They're, they're in love with Jesus. And not only do we love God, but we love our neighbors. And we actively love our neighbors. And many of you are already doing that. Folks, we just can't tell people we love them. We, we have to put our love into action. 
Daniel's talking about those dollar boxes out there. I mean, that's a, I get to look right out there and see those dollar boxes, and I see some dollars in there. And this is another way to love our community. It's a way to, to show love. And I can't help but think that if we're loving God and we're loving our neighbors, listen, people notice God will be glorified, which is most important, and His kingdom will grow. So it's not really that complicated, but it'll make a big difference. And so how how are you doing? Are you loving God with everything? Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Won't you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray, and after I pray, listen, I'm going to have an invitation, and maybe you need some help loving your neighbors. Maybe you need to come and pray. We've got some deacons up here. Maybe you need some help forgiving your neighbors. Maybe, maybe you need Jesus, His forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your love for us. We recognize that the only way that we love, the only reason we love is because You first loved us. And, and God, You didn't just say You loved us. You, you put Your love into action. And You allowed Your Son, Jesus, to step out of heaven and to come to this earth and to suffer and bleed and to die on the cross, you, you showed us the ultimate picture of love. And we thank you for that. And we need your help. Help us to love you more than the things of this world with all of our heart and mind and soul. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Father, I confess I don't always know what that is. I know how much I love myself. And I don't always go to that extent to love those around me who have needs. And so help me. I need your help. And as a body of believers, we need your help. And, and some here this morning, they need your help with forgiveness. And, and they need, their, need your help with what comes out of their mouth. And there's some this morning that need Jesus. They've never trusted Jesus. And we pray this morning that they might be saved. We pray even this moment they might come and confess their sin and believe upon Jesus. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, this morning, I, we'd love to invite you to be saved. I mentioned, we, you know, we can't keep the law. If it was just those two, we can't keep them. We need a Savior. And Jesus has come. And He's gone to a cross. He's died for our sins. He offers to save you. He'd love to save you today. And and all the other things we've talked about this morning, you, you might need to just come and pray for God to do a work in your life, uh, to change your, your attitude towards others, your, your language, your forgiveness, your love for others. Listen, I'd love to pray for you if I could be of assistance to you. There's the Lord's Supper available if you'd like to come this morning and be, and be reminded of how much Jesus loves you. You, you respond this morning to God's Word.